This is another episode of Call Out a Comeback. I'm your host, Bobby McInnes, alongside my co-host, Tom Splone. Tom, how you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm, uh, I'm honestly very excited after that Super Bowl that I watched. Uh, it, it went my way since I really did not want to see the Eagles win a ring. So I was, I was happy to see Mahomes get his uh, second ring. And we are uh, joined by Mr. Colin Nozick today. How we doing? Doing well, fellas. Uh, great to be back. It's been long hiatus. I think the last time I was in here was uh, maybe 2021 MLB postseason, so it's it's been a while, but glad to be back in the studio. Yeah, we had to put you on a suspension after all the cold takes, but uh, <laughs> it's nice to have you back, and uh, we'll do a little Super Bowl recap here to, to start the show. So, uh, Colin, what were your thoughts on the game? I thought the game went exactly how I scripted it in my head. Close game, never really more than I think the biggest lead was the Eagles had a 10-point lead right at half. Uh, never really saw a team out of it. High scoring, knew it would hit that over mark of over 51. I, it played out pretty much exactly the way I thought it would. Two very evenly matched teams. One of the only Super Bowls you can actually look at and say, I really believe these are the two best teams in the NFL playing each other. That's a good point. And it played out the exact way that everyone thought it would. Uh, I know, obviously, there's been some controversy around the holding, but at the end of the day... The call was made, and it was still a classic Super Bowl. Tom? Yeah, you hit on all the right points. Um, yeah, it was really offensive, just shootout. And both the, I really thought the Eagles' defense was going to play better, though, to be honest. Uh, their pass rush was really good all year. And um, Hassan Reddick couldn't do much, and Fletcher Cox couldn't do much, and Bradbury didn't look great. So Mahomes had a very good game, and I think that's honestly where the Eagles lost the game was obviously their defense. Yeah, I mean the Eagles defense well. they came out of that second uh out of the second half just flat. And it was like I don't know what happened at halftime. Maybe they were too busy watching Rihanna perform. I don't know what was going on, but um the Chiefs definitely came out, you know, a lot stronger and uh I think that says a lot about coaching. Yeah, it seemed like Andy Reid really had a good game plan for this game. Yeah, I'm not really buying into the Sirianni hype. I mean, he had a really good team, uh, and clearly his coordinators were pretty good as well, both of them getting hired today actually to be um, head coaches for the Colts and the Cardinals. So that I mean, that, that's a whole other discussion right there. But Yeah, I don't know much about I, – I don't think that defensive coordinator is too good. I mean, I don't think a lot of Eagles fans like him, but apparently the Cardinals really liked him. I don't know how you take him over the Bengals, D.C., because the, the Bengals really held Mahomes to – um, not a lot of points these past few years when they've matched up. And the we know the Bengals' defense isn't as good as the Eagles. So, I don't know. Well, I mean, time will tell, I guess, about these hires. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you guys both mentioned uh, that that holding call at the end. And I understand the frustration there from Eagles fans, but I think it was the right call. The thing is, like, the officiating was kind of poor throughout the entire game. Like, I thought earlier, too, I thought Devontae – I, I don't know how they overturned the Devontae Smith catch. Yeah, it was I, close. I, I honestly, it, it, was, it was one of those where the call should have stood on the field. Um, you know, like if, if they ruled it incomplete and then reviewed it and, and stayed with it, that's fine. But I don't see how they had enough clear evidence to overturn that one yeah. into being in, in completion. Um, yeah. That was surprising for me. Yeah, there were a couple like that. The Goddard play, too, was really close. Right. I think he, he was probably barely in. Uh, yeah, there were a few good good replays the Sanders fumble was really close too that they overturned I mean I thought overall like the officiating was was decent I mean compared to how you look at the, the whole how the whole season went but um I mean that that definitely was a hold at the end but I mean they haven't really been calling it all games so if you want to go by that then it wasn't a great call you know 
I, I like what you said, Tom, there, with uh, especially what we've gotten accustomed to over the last couple months of some questionable officiating. There really wasn't one play that stuck out in my mind that said, wow, they really changed the course of the game with that call. And that was the first time that holding call late was the first holding that we saw our penalty on the secondary. It was just – it really was, I think, more of a clean game than anything, but the refs were definitely letting them play, and there were really no plays that you point to with officiating and say that could have caused the outcome to change because there were none. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, and what's the deal with this? You know, the NFL, the the grass, they were apparently preparing it for two years, spend almost, uh, how much was it? it was $800,000. $800,000. $800, terrible field. I, and the players were slipping like crazy. It was like crazy. a slip and slide out there. It yeah. was clumping. I mean, I, I don't know. That's And that's actually something that, as, as Tom brought up, the Eagles' pass rush all year had been dominant, and it was non-existent basically on Sunday. I think that played a huge factor. And I get the Chiefs yeah. have to play on that same field too. The yeah. Eagles can't make an excuse for that, and a few guys have actually come out and said they we played on the same surface as they did. But I think that field actually helped to kind of close the gap between the Chiefs' O-line and the front seven of the Eagles. Yeah, well, I mean, and, and I understand the whole, like, playing on the same field but it's not like the chiefs really did anything to stop the eagles i mean they were scoring pretty easily too um right from the get-go you knew that this one was going to be back and forth a classic shootout and it was yeah that's exactly what it was the only big play that the chiefs really got on defense was the fumble six that hurts just kind of booted and, and like he just dropped it on his own i'm pretty sure but well right. they they won the the defense and special teams aspect of it obviously that fumble the tony six return with the huge. tony return probably set them up in mm -hmm. some aspects to win the game. I mean, take yeah. the lead one play later off that little zip route where I think it was Tony, right? It was, yeah, that was, they that was ran the one with Tony was, and then – wide open. Yeah, I think that was the same Sky drive. Moore and then they ran the same and play with one on the other side. And that punt return them. really, really kind of put a little bit of a damper on the Eagles' game plan. Then they had to go right back out on offense. And they credit to Hurts, he let him down the field, got all eight himself to tie the game, but – yeah, he, he played a hell of a game. Losing the game in the special teams aspect really hurt the Eagles. Yeah, I actually saw on TikTok that uh, the Jaguars ran that same play against uh, against the Eagles earlier in the season. They said it was like week four um, where you have the guy kind of like fake run across the line in motion and then cut back in the same direction that he's coming from, and he was wide open because in an Eagles or in most man-to-man -man defenses, um, the way that they shift is – whoever was guarding him originally will then move to safety and the safety will then pick him up on the other side. So yeah, by right. by faking it, you're causing them to to switch defensively and then the guy just leaks back out. It's wide, wide open. It worked twice. Yeah, Gannon didn't change the, the formation. So Well, yeah, I mean, it was also the, the Chiefs did um, save that. Uh, both of those plays were in the second half. To the end, yeah. Right? And uh, I don't know. Yeah, it was, it was definitely smart. Well, you also mentioned second half, and I think one thing that gets very overlooked is there are coaches in the NFL who are staples for making their second half adjustments. I just want to talk about how big the extended halftime is in the Super Bowl. If you give a guy like an Andy Reid or a Bill Belichick or a Pete Carroll a chance to have 29 minutes instead of 13 to really break down some film and it's come true. up with adjustments, there's going to be some changes. You saw it right on that first drive from the Chiefs. They marched down the field like they were going to put up 50 in the second half. Yeah, Mahomes said today too that uh, Andy Reid threatened to bench anybody who who went out to like watch Rihanna's performance because obviously, like you said, twenty twenty nine minutes is a lot, but a lot of that time uh, I assume is also just preparing mentally for the second half. And with that spared downtime, instead of you know letting his players 
you know, go out and enjoy all the other antics about the Super Bowl, um, they were locked and focused, and you just credit coaching. I think that's just that's the difference maker. I said that before the game, too. I was like, you really think Andy Reid's going to lose to the Eagles? I didn't think so. Yeah, nah, he, he wanted revenge after them firing him. But, um, yeah, also I think what we, we didn't really touch on is the fact that the Chiefs were really able to run the football pretty pretty well. I mean, Pacheco had 15 carries for 75 yards. That's, that's very productive, uh, in my opinion. And Mahomes only, I think, threw the ball like 27, 28 times. So, like, if you're running the football in that offense and then Mahomes doesn't have to do it all himself, like that's, a, that's when it gets scary for the Chiefs, you know? They weren't just effective yards. They were gruesome yards. I mean, yeah. Pacheco's Pacheco was a hard his head runner. down, getting contact, absorbing the contact, and he yeah. looked like one of the only Chiefs that came to play right out the gate. Other guys mm-hmm. eventually started to get going, but he was, he was locked and loaded ready from the first drive. He looked really good. I mean, Mahomes was moving good on that ankle, too. Uh, he, he tweaked it at the end of the first half. But then coming out of the second half, um, I mean, he had a couple long rushes yeah, in the third and fourth quarter. That scramble he made on the game-winning drive, that's something <laughs> yeah. an MVP does. You know yeah. he's hobbled. He still broke out of the pocket. They didn't respect him, No, had no spy on him up the middle, and he just took off for 15 or 16, whatever it was, and really kept them alive. And it was impressive, to say the least. Right, I want to say the Eagles tied it up with about like five minutes left. And we know that's wet. That's like years for Mahomes after seeing what he did against the Bills, what was it, last year? And um, I just, it, you just, you, we knew what was going to happen. When the ball is in Mahomes' hands at the end of the game, usually it's a, a successful outcome for the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. Yeah, the Eagles need to get the ball back, but penalty really just ended them. So now Mahomes has been starting for what four four seasons now, or three uh, four seasons? Definitely not five. He's been in the league's uh, drafted twenty seventeen. His first full season was the twenty eighteen nineteen season. Right. So he's played about I think four seasons now, right? It might be five. Uh, I, don't I know. think it's five. Twenty seventeen eighteen. I season. think it's five as a starter, and then. The one year he was behind Smith. Okay, yeah, you're right. This is his five, full season. Five, five full seasons as a starter. He has yeah. two MVPs, two Super Bowl rings. Uh, Colin, you're a big Patriots fan, but do you think Mahomes could catch Brady? I think it's possible, but you kind of see that in the first dynasty that the Patriots had, the first set of championships, there was a little bit of a gap there after that 2007 losing year where they kind of had to retool the whole team besides Brady, and I'm just interested to see what Mahomes is going to do when they fully have to retool. Obviously, they got rid of Tyreek Hill last offseason, but yeah, still have Travis Kelsey, who is, at a minimum, a top three tight end to oh, ever play the game, oh, yeah. if he's okay. not number one or two. Yeah, um, to ever play, that's different. I thought you were going to say right now. Right no, now, no. he's on the to, to ever play, he's a top three tight end, could push one or two soon. But I think the big thing for Mahomes is going to be uh, you want to attribute as much of the success that he sees to himself, but we also know that coaching can play a huge factor of it. There were some hints this week that Andy Reid might retire. He won't, I don't believe. But in 15 years down the line, Tom Brady, 20 years after coming into the league, still had Bill Belichick. Mahomes isn't going to have that Andy Reid. So you don't know once Reid is gone and Mahomes going to have to work with a new coach and new weapons what that's going to look like. I think at this point in his career, though, like Mahomes is – He's a seasoned veteran. He's learned from Andy Reid. If they did bring in a new coach, I mean, I'm pretty sure a lot of Mahomes, he's still going to be successful. Andy Reid is a genius play caller. We've seen it. But how about the scrambling plays where Mahomes gets away, shovel passes, falling down, throws it with his left hand? I mean, that's not Andy Reid. That's Patrick Mahomes. And you're still going to have that. 
Absolutely. Um, and I understand, like, like you said, I mean, to, to build the dynasty, um, there's going to be other players leaving. Um, there's going to be players retiring. But it's going to be like, will Mahomes also take pay cuts like Brady did to keep those guys? I don't know. But you see he lost his quote-unquote best weapon we see this year. I mean, Kelsey may have been the best weapon um, besides Tyreek. But, I mean, you lose Tyreek Hill, and it's like he didn't even skip a beat. He still finished number one in most of these quarterback categories. Um, yards, touchdowns, and quarterback ranking. I attribute that to the rest of the team picking up the slack they needed to, realizing Tyreek Hill wasn't there. Uh, the two leading touchdown receivers from Mahomes this year were Kelsey and McKinnon. The running backs really ran well, but they also caught the ball very well out of the backfield all season. Running back by committee, whether it was Pacheco, McKinnon, Edwards Alaire, who obviously fell off a cliff midway through the season. Yeah. Um, but I think it was impressive to see everyone else kind of step up, knowing that, as you said, comparing him to Brady, it's it's the Brady effect. Everyone that steps on the field with him knows that they're going to be better by being on the field with him, so they're willing to show up for him. And I don't think they really missed a beat without Tyreek. Yeah, they definitely didn't. But, uh, yeah, no, to win without Tyreek is pretty, pretty crazy because Tyreek was probably – probably the best receiver in the league this year, I'd say, statistic. well, maybe right behind Jefferson statistics-wise. But, um, I mean, when you have Kelsey, it is going to be interesting to see how Mahomes looks when Kelsey retires. I don't know how many years he has left. I mean, I still think he's got a couple, but um, it's going to definitely going to take a, an effect on Mahomes. But um, I think he's got a chance to, to get five or six. I wouldn't put him near Brady range at seven, but I think he's got a good shot to win five or six rings. Yeah, so I, I don't know. So I... It's almost, you know, it's starting to feel like it's going to end up being like a Jordan-LeBron thing. I really do. But yeah. the, the the crazy thing about about these two is that they played each other, and in their matchup, I know Mahomes was young, Brady won. He yeah, won the Super Bowl. The AFC chip and then the Super um, Bowl, too. Yeah. yeah, so I don't know. I, and now that Brady's retired, he's not going to have another chance to beat him. But um, For now. Unless he comes out of retirement yeah, right, again. Right. We've we've seen this before. <laughs> Speaking of which, other quarterbacks, uh, there's a lot of quarterbacks that are going to be available this season. And I was saying it today, a lot of a lot of Jets fans, for some reason, are knocking their car. Um, and a lot of other people around the league, I don't know, they're, they're saying, oh, come on, you don't want Derek Carr. Like, Derek Carr is the best quarterback free agent that we've seen since Kirk Cousins. And players, like veterans like Derek Carr, don't just become free agents. A lot of times you have to trade for them, and you have to trade a pretty penny for them. So this is a situation where I, I, I understand, me as a Jets fan, I want Rodgers. I want Lamar Jackson. And that being said, um, those guys are going to take picks, and there's no guarantee that you can get either one of them. you got You got to give serious consideration to Derek Carr. He's better than the other options. He's better than Jimmy G. He's better than Geno Smith. Yeah, no, um, definitely better than those guys. Better than Tannehill, who could come available as well so it comes down to a lot of fans have been blinded by how just absolutely garbage Derek Carr looked this year and he looked terrible but really it wasn't his fault it's his first year with Josh McDaniels out who's there, not a great coach who's a isn't a great coach B I there were some murmurs you think he's it. a good coach no I don't this is a second coach, crack at it but but if he goes to the Jets then you know who his play caller is right Oh, Nathaniel, Nathaniel Hackett. Hackett. I mean, what is he? Is he a mastermind next to Josh? But he also his, his uh, passing. The Jets just hired a guy to be their passing game coordinator. The Titans, um, right? Yeah, and he was with Derek Carr as well. So, 
Yeah, but Hackett's familiarity the one there. No, but familiarity there. I mean, this guy's the passing game coordinator. Yeah, maybe Hackett draws up the plays, but you know it takes several coaches to put together a playbook and a game plan. It does. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see because I know Carr just got cut today. So um, what do you think, like, a new contract would look like for him? Uh, I don't know. Honestly, he can't. Like a one-year deal? One-year deal is pr- is likely, like I would 20? say. Maybe. But honestly, I actually don't know. I don't know it's because tell. I think he'd probably be getting around, like, whatever Daniel Jones is getting this year. You think he's going to get that much? Definitely because he's been doing it for longer. I know he had a down season. Um, he's a little older as well. But as far as money-wise, yeah, similar. I don't know how many years. I would also yeah. just like to uh, point out, could didn't, didn't want to misquote myself on, on any coaches, but Derek Carr's kind of been through the ringer with coaches. The I short list is Jack Del Rio, John Gruden, Rich Passaccia, and Josh McDaniels. I mean, none of those guys at any point in their coaching career have been anything other than average at best. So putting him in a system where, where Hackett's going to be the play caller really doesn't frighten me because he's been used to dealing with these coaches <laughs> who really aren't beneficial for his game as it is. Um, and the thing with McDaniels this year is it almost looked like he was trying to run Derek Carr into the ground. The play calling drastically changed the last two games of the season when Stidham was starting. And the play calls that were being made were something that Derek Carr could have thrived in with Devontae Adams, but it didn't happen. So when it comes down to it, as Bobby said, you can want Aaron Rodgers. You can want Lamar Jackson. You're not going to get him. You're going to get a Derek Carr, and you should be perfectly fine with that because it is a lot better than other options. Well, I'd say we're still in the running for Rodgers and Lamar. I wouldn't say we're not getting them. I don't I don't think Lamar's going to be available. I could see Rodgers being available. I, I but fully I, believe I, that Baltimore's going to figure this out. Well, they're going yeah. to they're they're, they're, they're they're tag gonna him for sure, but then it's a matter of does Lamar want to sign there? If, there's, if, if they're $100 million apart – which is what the reports are, um, and there starts to get some bad blood there, Lamar will just demand a trade. I just hope that if anyone out here happens to listen to this that's close with Lamar, please don't let him make the same mistake Le'Veon Bell did. Sitting out is drastically going to hurt your career. Yeah, if he do. does get tagged by the Ravens, play another year. Ball out. Uh, get an MVP yeah, talks. Yeah, I agree with that. Because if but you player sit like him, out if he gets hurt, f- but if you sit out a full season, yeah, I, quarterback's I different than running back though. Running backs are easily replaceable. I understand sitting out a full season is But risky. he runs a lot. So if he's going to get hurt again, like That's what I'm saying. If, I, if I'm him, I would not play under the tag. Why would you? Yeah. You did it last year and you got hurt again. So And also, I just want to go back to like it's not just you. It's like a lot of people have been saying how bad Derek Carr was this year. The interceptions weren't great. He had 14, um, which I think is was a career high for a single Ooh, season. Less than Josh Allen and Dak Prescott, though. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah, that's true. So. But still, uh, I want to look at his other stats. He was top. He was in the top half of the league for each stat. Uh, he was 14th in yards, 14th in QBR, and 12th in, in passing touchdowns. So I want to congratulate Devontae Adams for – being in the Carrying top half that. of yards, top half of touchdowns, and top half of yeah, I mean, but, yeah. But what are you not going to throw to your number one guy? I mean, it's Devonta Adams. Well, yeah. We can't discredit him for that. <laughs> and the defense is trash. You right? also get a yes. look at it when you have line's the, not great. When you have the rushing champion in in your backfield, it does really help open up the pass game when teams have to stack that box a little harder. Yeah, I think Josh Jacobs help to inflate his stats and I'm all on the Derek Carr is not as bad as people think train but 
Josh Jacobs really helped hide some of the weaknesses that that passing offense had and allowed Derek Carr to be somewhat successful. Yeah, the, I mean, it's tough. I don't know. I mean, I think the, the, if the Jets are going to sign Carr, they really need to make sure their O-line is is much improved from last year because if Carr is not going to have an O-line, that that's not – it's not going to be good in my opinion. Like, you guys are going to have to beef up the line, obviously, for him which I think they know that, but that means Becton's probably going to have to count on him or unless they just draft a tackle. I think we're going to draft round. a tackle. Is Mekhi Becton going to be healthy? Well, that's I mean, he's expected question. to be, but I, you can't rely on that. So I think I think for sure a lot of mock drafts have the Jets taking a tackle in the first round. I think that's what's going to happen with at least, if not, if not with both, with one of our first two picks, um, it will be an offensive tackle. It yeah, has that to makes be. Sense. Uh, other than that, you got to remember Elijah Vera Tucker went down in the game against the Broncos, missed most of the season. That kid, he could be a former, he could be a future All Pro um, at any position on the line. He played great at tackle, according to PFF. Played great at at guard. Um, who knows? Try the guy at center; he might be good there too. But the Jets, I agree, they have some holes. Um, they were banged up, but. Um, they're going to have to address that, the offensive line. Offensive line, I'd say offensive line and linebacker are the biggest two positions they need to address besides the quarterback position. I, yeah. I can agree with that, and I do want to kind of shift positions. You said some holes they have to address. One hole you do not have to address is your running back depth. Great running backs in that, in that Jets room, but uh, Tom, I know, Giants guy, Saquon, unrestricted free agent. I just want to read you some of these names of free agent running backs. Mm -hmm. Saquon Barkley, Kareem Hunt, Rashad Penny, Jamal Williams, Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders. You got Latavius Murray, so there's some years in him. Uh, David Montgomery, Devin Singletary. There's Pollard. Tony Pollard. Alexander Madison. I don't know if you mentioned that one. There's just so much talent. Damian Harris. There's just so much talent out there. I wonder what those offenses are going to look like if it's just going to be a big carousel of running backs and everyone goes somewhere else but i'm dying to hear do you think saquon should be your number one priority as a giants guy uh not i don't think number one i think the number one priority for the giants should be jones uh resign jones who do you credit more success to last year saquon or jones to the giants for the giants offense it's it's honestly really close saquon Saquon, that being said that that being said you got to secure the quarterback but yeah Saquon has to be I, high up there on the priority list. Yeah, I think they should try and re-sign Saquon after they re-sign Jones, or if not, the other way around. But um, I th- I'm hoping they can get him between 12 and 14 mil. I think that's the price that they want to aim for. I mean, paying running back big money is never ideal, but, I mean, like we just said, like he was their best weapon, obviously, last year because they don't have a ton of receivers to work with right now. So um, I think you got to try and bring him back, you know? Yeah, like all those running backs are like solid, but they're definitely a tier below, if not two tiers below Saquon Barkley when healthy. Yeah, I think Pollard will get tagged as well by Dallas, and I think I think Sanders will go to the to someone else. So I don't think Philly's gonna. Yeah, he's gone. Him. He's gone. Yeah. I, it's, I would be gone too if I was Miles Sanders. And the way I got used in that Super Bowl, <laughs> they barely used him. Yeah, I don't understand. I think they're gonna I go gain well next year. Seven touches for fifteen yards. I get that's not a great yards per no, carry. But he's been but good the whole season. Seven, yeah. seven touches, and I saw it right away on that first drive. Yeah, like, you could tell. First and goal in the ninth, and you have Boston Scott in there running the ball. Yeah. It's it just it made no sense to me, and I think 
Sanders will, will realize that that's not really the place for him. As you mentioned, Gainwell has looked pretty solid. I think that's more the route that the, the birds go with. Uh, yeah, I think it's yeah. more that the Eagles don't want him anymore or aren't going to pay him. I mean, that's the bottom no line. You got, you got a good room there. Um, I mean, Boston Scott and, and Kenneth Gainwell aren't great, but you're not going to pay top dollar for Miles Sanders when you could probably sign one of these other guys that you just named for cheap. Once positions, once openings start getting filled, or or you draft or a guy they in the seventh draft, like, round, well, I mean, or they can they have two first, they can use their top ten first on whatever, and then they can use their second first on Bijan Robinson if I mean, they wanted to. With that offensive you know, line, I'm pretty sure they could sign matter. Colin Nozick tomorrow, and he'll still be successful. I'd, in I'd put up a thousand yards behind those guys. <laughs> yeah, that, that uh, I don't know about that, oh. but uh, you might be able to gain a couple of yards. Goal, goal line back. Goal line back, like the re- refrigerator Perry in there. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, I don't know, but we'll see. I, Daniel Jones has to be the priority, and then and then Saquon Barkley's, I'd say one at one B, one A, one B. Yeah, I agree with that definitely. What's going on in in New England? I haven't heard much news <laughs> about off season there. Uh, there's just been touches and nothing, surrounded by the the smoke and mirrors of oh, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. DeAndre Hopkins, I'm sure you've oh, heard, it's been rumored to go to the Pats. No, I, I haven't heard um, that actually. Yeah, he's actually, if if you believe in in gambling on where players end up, he's actually favored to go to the Patriots. <laughs> That's right surprising because I feel like the Pats. I can't remember a time when they've made like that big of a trade, especially for like a especially for a weapon. You think it, they're gonna trade for him? I would be very surprised if they did. It wouldn't take a lot though. It it wouldn't it's take just a the lot. money you're taking it's on the though. money. They would have Don't to take like a third, probably maybe. They would have to find a way Second. to thank God Aguilar's contract comes off the books this year, but they'd have to find a way to uh, get a little money. They currently have 33 million in cap space, which obviously you can make a few decent signings with that. But if you want to make a big move, probably free up some money somewhere else and, and look for other guys out in the free agent market. But um, some murmurs that Damian Harris is gone, which I think he should be. Only played a couple games this year. Just Stevenson's the best back in that. Stevenson's the best back, and I have noticed that the Patriots' run system. You pu- plug in any of those, Anyone. any of those new guys. It was Kevin Harris and um, oh, the other kid out of SMU that I can't. But remember, even like but James White, Burkhead, throughout the years, <coughs> they've always just rotated running backs, and it always works. Right. They really don't need to pay top dollar to resign a free agent, so I think he will walk. That's been something that's been speculated on. Um, as for coaching, obviously we know that Matt Patricia will no longer be calling the offensive plays. It was a glorious day. Had a drink to celebrate. But um, I, I think that the biggest problem in New England is this last year completely set Mac Jones back in his development. Came in as a rookie. He was not great as a rookie. He was a pro bowler. I still take that lightly because Tyler Huntley was a pro bowler. Um, but is, is Mac Jones the best quarterback on the Patriots? I I firmly believe Mac Jones has the most talent on the Patriots. Uh, Bailey Zappi came in and showed that he could win games and compete. Mac Jones is still the more well-built quarterback all around. Uh, but oh, oh, the way the offense was run this year, it definitely did nothing for his confidence. Um if anything, I think him watching Zappy get an open playbook when he was the starter hurt his confidence even more than him having a closed playbook when he was on the field. So it'll be interesting to see. I think it's too early to give up on a guy after two years, but three years. If you come in with a new retooled offensive game plan and some more weapons and he still has a 
15 to 20th in the league quarterback season and he's average at best, then it's going to be time to move on from him and either try Zappy or try your hand at the draft again. Sounds like you're calling for a rebuild in New England coming up soon. I, Not that I'm calling for it, but it's you see the writing on the wall. Bill's probably gone in a few years. Yeah. Don't know when that time's going to be, but it's it's going to be a dark few years for, for sure whenever that day comes because they're going to have to retool everything and bring a new coach in. So. Yeah, you know, you hate to hear that. You know, especially me, I, I really I like seeing the Patriots be successful, and it's tough for me to hear any any bad news about them. Or, or you're such a class act. Yeah, it is. I, you know, it's it's just for you. I don't want to see you upset. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah. No, I think they definitely need to try and get a receiver in there. Honestly, this off season that goes for Giants as well. But they do have Kendrick Bourne. <laughs> Damn right. And I think someone sitting at this table has a Kendrick Bourne jersey. I actually do have a Kendrick Bourne jersey. So, you know, next season when he I, grabs uh, 1,400 yards and nine touchdowns. Oh, please. I, I don't know if you know this, but he had almost 900 yards last year with Max rookie year. He had a good season, and this year he it was just – He had 900 how, yards last year? How does it feel, almost, though? Yeah. How does it feel like when you wear that jersey, like in public or like at the bar, and people are like, oh, nice, Randy Moss, Randy Moss jersey. I know in my heart that I didn't sell out and just go for Randy Moss. I went for a guy that's here for the future. But then, like, the look on their face of disappointment. All right. When I when I post a picture of you and me that was taken this year in four years when Kendrick Bourne is Super Bowl MVP and he's the number 10 jer- top-selling jersey, then you'll be sorry. Well, I'll be I'll be wearing a better jersey, though, a better player's jersey. Sauce, Sauce Gardner. Gardner. <laughs> or should I say D-Roy Gardner? Uh, I thought you said D-Boy. D-Boy. <laughs> Soon to be Depoy. Should have won Depoy. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, I don't know. We took up a lot of time talking about football. We might have to have you on next week uh, or the week after to talk college basketball, especially before heading into March. I would love nothing more than to be here talking college basketball. Early on, we'll give a little. Uh, do you have any favorites going into March Madness? So this is this is still the, early. Uh, it's the still very early. The problem is that I've watched more college basketball this year than I ever have in my life. Does that have anything to do with you placing wagers or? No, it's all for fun. All for fun. And um, it, what's interesting is I feel like I know a lot more this year, so that means whoever I pick to win the tournament is probably going to get knocked out in the second round. It's been that unpredictable <laughs> of a year. You would think that. that. You would think that. But I watched a lot last year. I felt confident. I placed a future future bet on like five different teams. Kansas was one of them, and they won it all. So there's certain things you got to look for. I get credit my my roommate Tyler for this. He says that statistically, historically, looking at it, you can't win the title with your number one scorer being a freshman. So that's why a team last year like Kansas was good because out of their top eight scorers, the first seven were upperclassmen, at yeah. least or at least sophomores. So they didn't have any freshmen leading the charge. It's going to be interesting to see a team like Alabama, who has Brandon Miller on it, who obviously Wembenyama is a incredible talent, and he'll get drafted first overall. But in a year without him, Brandon Miller, without a doubt in my mind, would be the number one overall pick. So well put together, can That's score a deep at all team, three though. levels. That's but it's tough when a freshman is your go-to guy because still an 18-year-old kid who really hasn't had to – deal with that on a, a national stage and I don't know if you watched Alabama play at Oklahoma they got absolutely blitzed and they had no answer for it and 
they looked a little shell-shocked. They looked like they didn't think they could be beat, and they were. Other than that one loss, though, Alabama's looked very good. They beat Houston on a neutral court. Uh, they're undefeated in the SEC. The SEC is no Big 12, but it is a respectable conference. So it's cliche, but Alabama's the number one overall team in the country right now. If I had to pick a team to win the tournament, it would probably be Alabama. But the uh, there's about there's about five that I'm looking at, and Bama's one of them. Purdue's another. Indiana mm. with their physicality, I think, is is three. I'm and not then, a, I'm not a fan of Purdue, honestly. Really? I, just watching, I know it's only one game, but I was watching that Northwestern game. I mean, I've watched a good amount of Purdue this year, but the Northwestern game, they just rely too much on Edie. Like he gets doubled in the post, and then if it, like I don't know, he doesn't handle the double team well, in my opinion. They do have some sharp shooters though on their on their squad that are usually open because they're doubling Edie. I don't know. I think that team's very upset, very upsettable. If that's even a Freeze. I I can see where you're coming from. Um, he had a great battle. I, I think Trace Jackson Davis is the best player in college basketball right now in Indiana. Well, um, oh yeah, that game. Him him and Edie had a great great mm-hmm. battle. And I think when Edie matches up one on one against other big men, it'll be a fair fight. But as you said, if teams can scheme him up to double in a way that he can't oh. pass to the open shot, Purdue is is very beatable. But Purdue's a, always a good pick to go with. I like Indiana. They're gonna have to win a few more tough games if they want to really secure themselves as a good team and then looking at the big 12 any of the five teams that are top four seeds that are going to come out of the big 12 can win it all baylor's yeah. super talented they're getting jonathan chamachachua back um he was injured after tearing his acl last year but he's back flagler is one of the best three-point shooters if not the best three-point shooter in the country uh kansas always good jalen wilson tried and true great score and um, Kansas State's another another sneaky one to watch. I love watching Marquise Noel play. Keontae Johnson, the transfer from Florida. What a great story he is, huh? Yeah, that, Keontae. Oh, seeing the him TCU come back. too. That that's that conference is good. That conference is very good, and it's it's really going to be about who can withstand the rest of the punches for the regular season, because there will be teams like Tennessee who will have a three loss SEC schedule, and look at a team like TCU who lost six games in the Big Twelve. But those are probably six really good losses. Anyone from the Big 12 that you see in the tournament is probably going to cut you up like a buzzsaw. Well, there's one team you haven't mentioned yet that I like a lot this year. Is, is it from the Big 12? It's Texas. Yeah. And I know that there's been, I don't last know. Last night. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> last night they lost at Timmy Texas Allen's Tech. Sold last night. He, only had, he had two points. <laughs> right. But that being said. Brock um, Cunningham also missed a wide open layup with. 30 seconds to I think, go down four. I think Carr had like 20-something. T- um, and their main contributors are are seniors, with the exception of one sophomore. Um, Tyrese Hunter, I think, is a sophomore. And, and the other contributors are all seniors. And, and I understand, you know, there's a little issue with a coaching change. They they fired the beard um, earlier in, in the season, but... I, there's something storyline about that, you know. These kids underwent a coaching change early in the in the middle of the season, um, and I don't know. They play hard basketball. I understand. Yeah, lost at Texas Tech last night might not be the best, um, but Texas Tech has given a lot of teams. They've lost a lot of games by one or two points. They've been they've given a lot of teams trouble. Yeah, a team honestly, real quick. I'll give I'll give my uh, favorite right now. It's, it's probably a kind of a, a favorite pick, but I like Houston a lot. I think they're um, they're pretty underrated. They're really like uh, they're always an athletic team that's like very good at 
flying to the basketball and just getting good boards and stuff. Very so. well coached as well. Yeah, Samson's a good coach. So I don't know. They haven't really been able to break through like past that Final Four stage yet. But and th- there's another team that we haven't brought up that's in the Big Twelve. You like how you said you get senior contributors from a team like Texas, but Iowa State, man, Jaron Holmes, Gabe Kalsher, Caleb Grill, Oshuno Shuni, uh, yeah. tr- you got everyone on this team that is a real contributor is a senior or a fifth year. They're all tried and true, and they're, that's why they're a top 10, top 15 in the country consistently. I'm big on Iowa State. I uh, I saw – I was watching their game the other day um, against West Virginia. They lost, um, but they also had, like, two or three guys foul out, which, you know, it sounds maybe like they're not disciplined enough, but the refs were calling fouls. There was a player on West Virginia that fouled out as well. Um, they were blowing the whistle all game. Um, but that being said, you kind of got to look at their depth, and you saw different guys show up. Um, and you mentioned Holmes and Osuni coming over from Bonnie's. Um, they played with uh, my boy Kyle Lofton, who's now in Florida, but I watched a lot of them uh, when they were with Bonaventures, and those are two guys who who are very talented, underrated basketball players, um, and the chemistry, sticking together, going to Iowa State. Um, I, I don't know. It, that, that Iowa State team definitely – um, could make a run, and and they're a team that's that hasn't always been that good come tournament time. Um, so there's there's definitely something exciting there as well. And the uh, the thing that really sticks out to me about them is that their losses and their their letdown games have been in tough road environments. Obviously, they get a big boost from the home crowd, but unless they're playing in a really hostile environment, they never really look rattled. Even in that West Virginia game, you said they fouled out and right. the refs were kind of calling everything a little ticky-tack. it still went down to the wire. It still went down to the wire, and West Virginia is not a bad team by any means. So they, they do stay composed well, and as you said, it's because you got these 22, 23-year-old men who have gone through four or five years of college basketball leading the charge, and it's, it's nice to see them play well. That's another team you have to keep your eye on for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at Iowa State. They actually they had a little bit of a letdown at home against Oklahoma State, who I actually love tonight. I believe they're Blue playing Clown. Kansas. They are playing uh, Kansas at Oklahoma at home. State. And Oklahoma State's been rolling, dude. They they beat Oklahoma in Oklahoma. They beat TCU, who was ranked 15th at the time. Uh, they beat Texas Tech, who we just talked about upsetting Texas, who I like. Uh, and then they went on the road and beat Iowa State. So maybe maybe this is a letdown situation at home versus Kansas, ranked number five. Um, but this could also be a true testament of, of what this team is, is about. I mean, yeah, it could be a letdown. But as as I said, it is so tough to play on the road in the Big 12. It is. Uh, honestly, yeah, it is. Any, any Power 5 school, it's hard. And Texas Tech, their last two wins, they're 3-10 and 10 in conference. Their first win of the season – came at home against a 13th-ranked Iowa State team <coughs> when they came back from, I think it was like 24 down. And Those then, home rivalry games are always... And then they're on a two-game winning streak, beating the number 12 team in the country, Kansas State at home, and then number six, Texas, last night. It is so tough to the go Big on The Big 12 is insane. It is insane this year, top to bottom, top to bottom. And, and honestly, in previous years, we've been saying that about the Big 10. I think there's still very, very quality teams in the Big Ten, um, but the Big 12 this year is the basketball conference. I truly believe, like Colin said, uh, the winner of the Natty is probably going to come from the Big 12. And just to prove your point on, you talk about the Big Ten, and and that's been kind of the staple, but the Big Ten struggles to make it past that first weekend in March. Always. The problem with that is that 
they really never beat each other up inside of the conference. It was just a top-heavy conference. The way the Big 12 looks this year, it's yeah. like they're in heavyweight fights every night. So then they're going to play other conferences and just it's beat true. life out. They're battle-tested. They're they punch so for punch. And it's, it's, it's crazy because we're going to see – I'm looking at – I'm looking at like eight teams here that are like a shoe in for the tournament, and and obviously it's tough because there's there's one auto bid and then the rest are gonna have to be at large bids. So you I'm only looking have at like a, a pair of teams that doesn't make it. Right, and that's probably and honestly they're good teams. Oklahoma and Texas Tech are at the bottom of the conference right now, and I mean hey, there's still more basketball to be played, and since we talked about it being a boxing match, one of those teams could easily win the tournament, the Big Twelve tournament, and get their get their bid in so on a neutral site right they don't have to go on the road and play the number one seed in the conference tournament like some of these other yeah small conferences. i think all these teams are teams to keep an eye on and do your research before filling out your bracket it's crazy one conference i do want to ask you about is the mountain west you've been watching any west coast basketball this year uh occasionally yes occasionally usually uh trying to save save my day of uh, sports betting <laughs> I, uh, I've been very impressed by the way that the Mountain West is put together this year. It's the same thing as, as the Big 12, where in in and out, any night, anyone can win in any building. And it's it's a shame that with the, the committee, they're not going to respect it as a non-Power 6 of, of college basketball. But there are some good teams out West. I just saw the uh, updated, updated bubble from Lenardi, saw Bracketology, and Seems that San Diego State, Nevada, and New Mexico are pretty safely going to be in. Boise State's most likely to get in as the fourth team from the Mountain West. And Utah State is just outside, who's the number one three-point shooting team in the country. So if they somehow get in, they can upset someone. I love seeing these smaller conferences produce this good talent. Don't know what your thoughts are on that when you're watching those games it is exciting those are usually the teams that end up coming away with those uh, round of 64 and round of 32 upsets sometimes sneaking into the sweet 16 so the mountain west does have to be better this year they got four bids last year their uh, auto qualifier from colorado state and three at large bids and they went zero and four on the opening right. round of 64 so if you want to be respected as a small conference like that if they get four or five teams in this year one or two of them's got to make the Sweet 16 or at least win a game to show that they're, yeah. they're a real conference. Yeah, I like San Diego State a lot. I've seen a couple of their games. The thing is, though, like I feel like all those teams like play really well at home, but then when they go, I know the tournament's neutral site, but I don't know. I think a lot of those teams feed off. the. I know Utah State is a really good home, home court advantage. Uh, I think Nevada, too. So, I don't know. I've seen New Mexico a couple of times. I wasn't impressed. I know that they were in the rankings and now they dropped out, but – I think San Diego State's the best team in that conference. By far, and it's going to be about what San Diego State team you're going to get. They're either going to beat the number one team in the country, they could lose to Chicago State. They they are so just up and down, so roller coaster. But as long as you hit that, that upswing as you're heading into March, then you can you can make some noise. Yeah, no one took Rutgers to win it all? I actually like Rutgers to go into the second weekend, but I, think they could. I, I don't yeah. like them to win it all. They could easily make the sweet. What seed do you think they'll get, like a – Five right now? I don't know. It's, it's kind of early to tell. You it is kind of early. Um, tournament. They've been pretty good. You're probably going to have, if if they can rip off a few wins late in the season, they might finish as a number 24 or 25 team in the country. Well, one of their big men got hurt, too. I think he's done for the season. Mag. Yes, he's, um, he's done. And, yeah, that, that hurts them a lot, actually. Because they, if cause then if you pretty much just have Cliff down low. Um, yeah. And, you know, Cam Spencer, as good as he is, and 
Paul Mulcahy, uh, they're they're not gonna get the job done. I'm sorry. They need they need the, they need the presence of a big man. No, they're they're one of those teams that could get a a seven seed and and win the ten game and beat a two seed somewhere. But that's pretty much where I think it stops with them. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's about all I got. Colin, so, any closing thoughts? Now, just excited to. Uh, be back here soon and at some point as we get closer to March we kind of have the brackets a little more penned in than penciled in we'll be able to uh really test the water of that and uh just just happy to be here Bob well thanks for coming on I, I like that phrase penned in instead of penciled in I like that where'd you hear that just kind of came, came up with it off, off, with the, it? off the dome yeah that's, that's a Nozick original that is a Nozick original so gonna copyright this recording and figure it out awesome throw it on a t-shirt All right, Colin, thanks for joining us. Uh, This has been another great episode of Call to Comeback. We'll see you next time.